0: It's a very competitive market, the smartphone market. Keeping you updated and educated. This is a device that combines a tablet, a laptop, and a sketchpad. This is the Tech Guide podcast. This is the future wireless earphones. Tech Guide. What you see is what you get. Quality is obvious. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennec. guide episode 304 hello and welcome to the podcast that keeps you updated and always educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews thank you once again for listening thanks for downloading first time listeners we're glad to have you aboard my name is Stephen fennec and i'm the editor of techguide.com.au on this week's show the optus world cup streaming debacle and what they plan to do about it The scams you should watch out for during the FIFA World Cup. And Telstra are about to unleash even faster speeds on its 4G network. We'll tell you how they do it. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to check out the HTC U12 Plus smartphone. We're going to also inspect Crumpler's new bag collection inspired by Star Wars and why customer orders for faster NBN speeds are on the rise. And we'll wrap it up with your questions in the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products, and also Norton, the company to help keep you and your family safe online. Plenty to talk about, so let's jump straight in. Well, the hottest topic at the moment is the FIFA World Cup, a uh, big event, world's biggest sporting event. Uh, that is, uh, it's already underway. There's already been three nights of play. But the other big story is the fact that Optus customers, Optus Sport customers, are unable to stream the match. There's been plenty of complaints. They've vented their anger on social media, Twitter. Is just rife with complaints and some quite funny tweets actually from from customers, uh, from from people who are observing, but very angry tweets from the customers that are affected. Of course, there's been plenty of speculation about what Optus is going to do, whether they can handle this massive the demand for for this the streams for the World Cup matches. That that seems to be the issue, where the number of people trying to access the stream through the Optus Sport app. Uh, has been too much for it to handle, so that's why there's been uh, a lot, a lot of playback errors, black screens, free screen freezes, buffering issues, and the the the, the problem has gone for the first gone over the first three nights. Uh, after night two, the Optus CEO Alan Liu, Came out and said we uh they're, they're going to try their best. The issue won't be a, won't be a problem anymore. The streaming will will go ahead uh, and work properly. Only uh, only to see hours later that they were exactly back where they started from. Very frustrating for fans, and the, rightly uh, a lot of people are angry about the whole thing. Uh, but there were developments uh, on Monday, and that was that Optus were were offering customers' free fetch TV boxes, free mini fetch TV boxes for any customer who happens to be affected by these issues. So a lot of people ran out to fetch stores, uh, to Optus stores, to get the fetch box uh, and a lot of people were tweeting the fact that a lot of the Optus stores were unprepared to process these free orders, and it was another debacle developed there. Some other some other customers managed to get their hands on the free boxes in Melbourne. There was one customer who tweeted that he he got took home the fetched mini box, only to find that when he opened the box up, it was empty. Uh, if that was true, I think uh, th- th- there'd be... Uh, e- even higher levels of anger going around in that household. But Optus decided to address all the issues. They held a, uh, a media phone-in conference late on Monday afternoon. It was about 6 p.m. And Alan Lou got up. We're going to play the audio from that call I have condensed that uh, it was about a twenty five minute call including the questions that journalists, including myself were asking uh, Mr. Liu, the CEO of Optus of condensed the, uh, the, the that interview that his responses so he was asked a range of questions including will this ever happen again? Is Optus embarrassed by this? what is the way forward? Uh, and right at the very top uh, the very start of that conference he announced the fact that Optus who is continually continuing to be under fire for these issues has decided to simulcast the matches for the next 48 hours with SBS. So you have to understand here that Optus is the exclusive rights holder. So you can watch every match of the World Cup if you pay your 15 bucks a month through Optus Sport or if you have a qualifying account, either mobile or broadband account with Optus. So you can then watch it through the Optus Sport app, through the FIFA World Cup app that's shared by Optus and SBS or through Fetch TV. So plenty of options here for customers. The issue was through the Optus Sport app. So any way people try to access Optus Sport, whether it's on Fetch, whether it's on an app, that was where the issue was. Optus Sport at one point even encouraged customers to use a different app, the Optus and SBS app that they share. To uh, You could still use your same sign-ins on that other app. So that was a little embarrassing from that, that point of view as well. But I think what this new move here and... Uh, If you're listening to this early in the week, uh, you'll, you'll, this 48 hours before it passes, there's plenty of football to watch. And that also buys Optus some time to sort out its streaming issues, which they claim they've resolved. They're saying that the 48 hours will help them test their data points and find out all this information. You're going to hear from Mr. Liu in a moment, uh, his responses and explanation of a few things there. But it does. It does bring. It does raise a few issues about streaming, in general, and and it being is it the future of entertainment for us? When Optus acquired the rights to the soccer a few years ago, everyone was scratching their heads why a network or a broadcaster wouldn't have bought this. Optus as a telco. They they thought well this is their first move to becoming not just a telco but an entertainment company, and the when they first started broadcasting the soccer they had uh, the rights of the Premier League of course, and they too back then had issues with the stream and there were some teething problems but eventually that was all sorted out. Now here in this case they knew exactly when the World Cup was going to start that it was they knew the exact date and all every single game that was going to be played during the tournament. And yet still managed to not anticipate the sheer number of people who are going to access the stream. No doubt embarrassing and by their own admission uh, it has affected the Optus brand uh, as well as all their partners that are involved. So it, it really, it really poses the question as what is the future of streaming? Netflix can do it pretty well, although granted Netflix aren't showing just one movie at one time and everyone accessing that at the same time. But Netflix have got some technology working there where large numbers of people can access their content and stream it relatively easily and in high quality. Here's Optus, no doubt, showing to hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, and their stream just can't get out of the blocks. Uh, we we hope that in the next 48 hours, when the, the Optus and the SBS are running the, the coverage simultaneously, so if, if your Optus service isn't working, you can at least flick over to SBS and watch it for the next 48 hours, uh, but... The moving forward, we we anticipate that the problems with Optus Sport will be resolved and that uh, the normal transmission will resume, as they say. But here is what Alan Liu had to say during that that pro- conference call for media. Uh, and he goes through a range of issues here, and as I explained, I've condensed this his responses into uh, into what you're about to hear. So he addresses everything from uh, apologising and looking at the issue and, and why it won't happen again, and all of that. And here is what he had to say during that conference call.
1: Regrettably, there have been some customers that have not had a positive World Cup viewing experience, which we have proven to driven to deliver. We clearly understand Australia's passion for this major event and the frustration that goes along with not being able to watch the game. There are a range of issues which we are facing, but we believe we have a solution in place that addresses the technical issues. However, we feel that it's only appropriate that we offer customers a sales-based backup. And what I'm announcing now is that over the next two days, the six World Cup games Will be simulcast over SBS and Optus Sport. We have a dedicated team that has been working around the clock to address the technical issues. And this matter has my personal attention and the top priority across the organisation. We are proud of the exceptional content that the team has produced. I acknowledge that as we enter a new broadcasting therapy territory and explore new technologies that are great. You know, when we talk about streaming, the benefit of streaming is that it gives customers the convenience of consuming content on multiple devices in multiple locations. Um, What it does mean is that the quality of experience is limited by factors such as the device, the network, the Wi-Fi, and other things. We are working on some of these uh, to make sure that the vast majority of Australians will be able to enjoy a good viewership of the claim regardless of where they are. Australians will have, particularly, the devices, particular types of devices, and have will be in particular locations where the ceiling cannot be guaranteed. But we will be very clear in specifying what these are when we come back in two days' time. I, I think the demand is no reason for us to have made the mistakes that we did over the weekend. So I apologise for that. Uh, we will use the two days that we have where the matches are still cast to robustly test the systems under different loads. So um, it is, uh, it is uh, the time that we will use effectively to make sure we'll come back with a robust solution and we will make sure that we make clear to all Australians what they can expect in terms of streaming of video across different networks across different devices, We have uh, in the meantime provided fetch mini boxes, fetch mini boxes free of charge to our customers uh, that are having video streaming issues. We know very clearly the fetch mini boxes have a better encoding technology and hence can continue to have a good video stream even at lower bandwidth than some other devices. So we, from today, make this available in all our shops to customers. Um, But we will come up with other solutions, if necessary, for new customers that have signed up for passport. Yeah, I I, I think that there's there's no doubt this has adversely affected the Optus brand. Uh, We've always known that when we go into new technologies, there are benefits for customers, and as a company, we're taking some risks. Uh, we fully try to manage the risk. Obviously, we have not done a proper job over the weekend. Uh, but we believe the brand is stronger than just one event over three days. We will recover and we will prove to us that we can be a credible multimedia company. Okay. To engage our customers and video is the best way of engaging customers. I think the World Cup has... For certain unprecedented demand, I, I can't tell you the actual numbers because there's some level of confidentiality between the right owners and us. Uh, we should have been able to anticipate the demand a lot better, um, but uh, we obviously did not. So we now understand the kind of demand we can expect from a short um, global international uh, competition, and that will be a learning point for us as we proceed with the next three weeks of the world Cup, but more, and more importantly as we proceed with uh, events of this nature going etc. Uh it might be surprising to everybody that even in the single car situation, we had a huge volume. We have seen, for example, the most popular car game, Australia versus France, prime time eight PM. We had a huge load of people watching it on the spot, despite fact, the, fact, the fact that it was single it, it goes to the quality of our uh, content, and I'm, uh, I'm very clear that uh, even though we'll be simulcasting over the next two evenings, we have a large group of followers that will continue to watch us, uh, and that will give us a base load in which we can make some more accurate projections in terms of it is not to transport the type of volume they are likely to get. I think at the end of the day, rather than single point at different parts of the delivery, I think we are accountable as office spot to deliver the service end-to-end. I think there are different segments in delivering this. Uh, we will take full responsibility and we will solve the problem. I, I don't think it, it is of any benefit to, to single out any particular vendor, system, service, or network at this stage. I okay, think everybody's very disappointed, to put it mildly, uh, but I think let, let's bear this in mind, and let's, let's look at it in context. Right? I think the reality is that the bulk of Australians had a good response. Uh, there were people that didn't have a good response, uh, a good, good sorry, good experience. And uh, obviously, we have to handle these people. And my focus is on handling this group of people that did not have a good experience. We can and we will do better, and we will turn around the situation and we to to Australia that, uh, you know, we will meet the needs of the small majority today that are not having a good experience. The strategy for us is a three-year plan. We will get there. There will be hiccups along the way. We are a stronger organization Our organisation can can take these cuts. We will bounce back from this, and we will bounce back better. Tech Guide keeping you updated and educated.
0: This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. Well, while we are on the subject of the World Cup it's a massive tournament that people, uh, it is often referred to as the world's largest sporting tournament in terms of the number of people who view it. Uh, A lot of people may argue that the Olympics might be a a bigger sporting event, but uh, just the sheer number of people who are soccer fans or football fans. If you're a true fan, you don't call it soccer. You call it football uh, that are tuning in around the world to watch, to watch the world cup. Well, The unfortunate thing about all of this is the fact that cyber criminals see this as an opportunity. They know know a lot of people are going to be going online looking for World Cup content, looking for live streams, and this to them is a chance to launch online attacks and try to target you, try to target us all anyone who's a fan of football and wanting to uh, find out, watch live streams, buy merchandise, all those sorts of things, uh, potential targets for cyber criminals. Now, uh, Fortinet, this is a, a leading company in integrated and automated cyber security solutions, have come up with some security tips to protect yourself online while still enjoying the world's largest sporting tournament. And here's what they came up with. We're going to go through them one by one. Number one, be careful where you view live matches online. You'll be surprised that when looking to view live games or catch up with a replay, there may be some sites that have been set up especially to lure fans and serve their malware. It's not unusual for cyber criminals to even launch a spear phishing campaign to get you to a fake website to deliver that malware, so that they even go to the trouble of of, of uh, having a search, that, that them coming up in a search, so that their fake website, their malicious website will come up in your search, so make sure you're on a trusted website, and have your internet security software updated, have internet security software, that's a start, make sure it's updated, that's point number two. Watch out! Watch out for phishing attacks. That's phishing spelled with a P. H. Phishing attacks. This is one way that online criminals can attract users through phishing emails. These are emails designed to look like correspondence from a trusted company or, or a financial institution like your bank. People, something like that. Victims might receive a spam email to say you've won tickets to the World Cup final, and want to tempt you to click a link. Now, when you click that link, it's likely a compromised website or that may install malware on your computer. So think twice. If you don't know who this is from, did you really enter a competition to win World Cup final tickets? Really think about it. If it sounds too good to be true, it is. Uh, also, uh, another thing that we, we like to buy is merch. Merchandise for the World Cup is hard to come by. But there are that you will find that there are fake stores online offering low prices for merch. Now, if you are online shopping for World Cup merchandise, be sure you're shopping at a legitimate store. It's not unusual to find fake storefronts that are designed to look, uh, look like a real real online store, but all they are there for is to capture your credit card information and then disappear in a flash. So be careful about that one. And I, I mentioned this already. Keep your software updated. It's important uh, not only your internet software, but even your operating systems, they do update our software because they often find vulnerabilities. If there's a vulnerability, they plug it up. They send out an update so that you get it. So if you're not updating, that vulnerability could still exist in your software or on your operating system. So be sure to update. Uh, if you've got an outdated browser, an outdated plugin, these could be an open invitation to cyber criminals. So uh, be sure to update. And another one, here's here's another point too, and we our good friends at Norton have a have a solution for this. Avoid public Wi Fi. We know that public Wi Fi isn't always it's it's never private. They can snoop what you're doing. And your temptation to log into a public Wi-Fi... You, you know, the, the, a lot of the games are late at night. So you might be out and about and you might think, ''Oh, here's some Wi-Fi I can stream this match.'' If you, while you're streaming, there'll be somebody snooping that network and trying to get your details like your passwords, your your logins and all that personal information. So uh, be careful with that. You're going to hear from our, uh, our our little ad with Norton a bit later on about how you can protect yourself using uh, Norton's Norton Wi-Fi privacy. So avoid public Wi-Fi. you got to protect yourself. They are the tips that we offer you so that you can stay safe online. Be careful out there. Enjoy the World Cup, but you've got to be careful out there. But, uh, of course, if it's working through your your stream then uh, that that's one that's one uh, thing you've, you've solved there but, but watching it safely that's the other thing you got to worry about as well if you want to read more about that story you can check it out at techguide.com.au. au What I really like, in we've all seen the movie Top Gun. Have you all seen Top Gun? Yeah, they're they're, they're doing a sequel. They're making a sequel. Uh, Tom Cruise recently tweeted a a picture, not tweeted, it was on Instagram, of him holding his maverick helmet, that's his character's name, and it said, feel the need. And that refers to the famous line in the original movie, I feel the need, the need for speed, which is uh, pretty cool and been repeated countlessly by other people including myself and i'm about to say about to repeat it here when i'm talking about telstra's new 4g network upgraded they too feel the need for speed they're going to ramp up their 4g lte network to be capable of speeds of up to and maybe even exceeding two gigabits per second now two gigabits if you want to put put it into context, is 20 times the top speed being offered on the NBN. NBN top plans are generally 100 megabits per second. uh, Evening speeds of about probably 85, maybe 90 if you're lucky. And that's on the National Broadband Network. Now, what Telstra's offering here, and this was tested earlier this year, is an upgrade of their technology, to boost the 4G network speeds to hit 2 gigabits per second. Now, Telstra has they, – they tested this early in the year at Mobile World Congress. It was a, a, a test together with Ericsson, Netgear, and Qualcomm. They tested 2 gigabits over LTE, LTE being short for long-term evolution. A lot of people maybe not know that, but it's the other name for 4G. They tested this in the Ericsson Lab in Stockholm in Sweden using a prototyped commercial device which will be released in Australia later this year. That device is Netgear's new Nighthawk mobile router. It will be the world's fastest 4G device when it's released later this year. So how did Telstra do it? What they did, and this is all part of the testing and the, the discovery here, what they did, they found that Aggregating their 100 megahertz of spectrum across three frequency bands and utilizing something that we have in our routers, 4x4 four four MIMO. That's multiple input, multiple output. So they're combining the spectrum with MIMO. And that meant that, that that magic combination resulted in speeds of up to 2 gigabits per second being able to be achieved over 4G. So, speed to burn. Right there. So, the, after these successful trials, now Telstra is keen to get this into the network and they plan to deploy this 2G, 2 gigabits per second enabled technology into the network. So, it'll give even greater capacity and faster speeds as mobile demand for mobile data just increases. And naturally, the deployment is going to target high traffic areas. We're talking CBDs of major capital cities, sporting stadiums. Shopping centres, people where there's a lot of people gathered, places where there's a lot of people gathered and it's very hard to get uh, to utilise the bandwidth because there's so many people accessing the network at the same time. Ever try to send a text message at a, at a packed footy match or a sold out foot, football match? Uh, the network struggle to cope with that. Well, this technology, this two gigabits per second enabled LTE will be able to cope with that. They're going to deploy it in select locations in 2018 and the Netgear Nighthawk mobile router, which I can't wait to get my hands on, will go on sale in late 2018. Well, I think we're talking November, December there. So keep an eye out for that. You Telstra customers, your network is about to get a lot faster and Telstra says this is just another stepping stone to the development of 5G. So if we can get two gigabits per second on 4G, imagine what they can do with 5G. Can't wait for that one either. You want to read more about that story, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. We just mentioned Netgear and their Nighthawk mobile router. Well, they've also got other other gear. It's called Arlo. Arlo by Netgear is the worldwide leader in smart home security and creator of the world's first 100% wire-free weatherproof HD security camera. You can get to know the new Arlo Pro now with even more features, which includes two-way audio that allows you to talk to your kids, your pets or whoever's at your front door right from your smartphone. Arlo Pro has quick-charge rechargeable batteries, night vision and live on-demand streaming and yes, still 100% wire-free and weatherproof so you can easily monitor your entire property, inside and out. Arlo Pro takes just a few minutes to set up so you can check in on your home or your business from anywhere using the free Arlo app on your phone, tablet or computer. Know what's happening in real time with advanced motion detection and never miss a moment with free cloud recordings for seven days. Visit arlo.com forward slash au for more information. Arlo and the new Arlo Pro by Netgear, every angle covered.
1: Now. A tech guide review with Stephen Fennick.
0: Okay, on to the tech guide reviews, and we're talking smartphones, and in particular, the HTC U12 Plus. This is now available, and it is an update, obviously, to the U11, which was released a year ago. And what the U11 introduced was Edge Sense. Edge Sense is where you can squeeze the phone. And activate the camera or Google Assistant, and even take photos. So rather than you having to reach for a button, squeezing the phone lets you get the job done. Well, good news is the HCC U12 Plus has intre- reintroduced uh, Edge Sense. Uh, Edge Sense 2, they're calling it out, so it has improved. And the, those features also, uh, Edge Sense also has extends to other features. We'll talk about that in a moment, but let's talk about the design first of all. And you've got a six-inch. 18 by 9 super LCD display here. The device looks pretty smart. It's got the, the screen's got a resolution of 2880 by 1440. So it goes edge to edge so that you, even though you're holding a six inch screen, it doesn't feel like a massive device, which is the beauty of having that 18 by 9 screen. HTC has decided not to follow the notch trend. Have you seen those other Android devices? We spoke about one a few weeks ago, the P20 Pro. There's also the LG G7, which have added the notch to their phone, the notch as in the iPhone ten notch. That was the first notch we saw on a phone was the iPhone X. Uh, HCC has, thankfully, decided not to follow that trend. They're keeping the top of their screen straight. straight. So no notch, but above the screen, you still get a dual-lens front-facing camera. So they've still got room for all that stuff. It's just not inside a notch is all. On the bottom edge, you're going to get a speaker as well as a USB-C charging port. Along the right edge, here is where things get interesting with the U11, U12 Plus. And these are what appear to be volume up, volume down buttons and a lock key. Only thing is, though, they're not actually buttons. They don't actually actuate like a real button. They are pressure sensitive. They're touch buttons. So... When you do press on the button, though, you do feel a slight vibration under your finger, a little haptic feedback to say, yes, you have actually pressed the button, message received or whatever. It just gives you the feeling that, yes, I have pressed the button and and it's reacted. Uh, So really, really interesting that they've done this. only problem is, and this didn't happen a lot, the only problem was, though, those keys... They didn't really. They didn't work all the time. If you're trying to just trying to tap the volume up, you got to really press the top volume key up for it to register. Uh, that didn't happen often. It usually worked okay, but a button is supposed to work every time you touch it, and. It, that was just a minor frustration with the with the those non buttons on the side there. I can understand why they did it because it created having them as touch sensitive means that there's no need to put any space in there. So it's like a, it helps with the seal of the product, which helps it become uh, it helps its IP68 water rating. So I think it's a uh, one point higher than rest of the other phones are IP67. This is IP68. So it's even it's got better water resistance but well, that wasn't a major issue the non buttons not being sensitive enough but uh, still uh, it, it was there it was slightly frustrating but not a deal breaker now uh, we spoke about edge sense 2 and again you can put the long squeeze a short squeeze on the device to activate the camera take a photo or access Google assistant. Now, what I like about it is they've extended the usage of Edge, the use of EdgeSense, and I call it a thoughtful feature because HTC has actually taken the trouble here to learn what their customers want and how to make their experience better. So the other the other features they've added is on the side, on the edges of the device, so the bottom third of each side, is a little, t- a little area where you double tap. If you double tap on the right, the screen shrinks down to that right-hand bottom edge so that you can then use your phone one-handed. Double tap on the left side and you get it reduced down on that side. So really easy way, if you just got one hand free, you need to text or use an app or whatever you got to do, it sort of shrinks that phone down to a smaller screen size, a seemingly smaller screen size, so you can access it, the, the thumb radius can, can, grab the, can type and reach anything that you want. So I, I like the fact they've done that. The other thing they've done too, is that if you're gripping the phone, so you've got your hand along the bottom third, and you're laying down in bed, a lot of people first thing in the morning, they grab their phone, they're sort of still lying down, trying to read the screen, the screen sometimes tries to adjust the landscape. It goes back and forth, back and forth. It's very frustrating. But the HCC U12 Plus will, if you're gripping it like, like it and there's such panels, those panels are uh, being gripped by your hand, it will know not to flip the screen around. It'll think, okay, this person's lying down. I'm not going to flip the screen. I'm going to keep it in that in that portrait mode so you can still read it while you're lying down, no having to get up and hurt your neck trying to read your phone. Uh, another example of how HCC's thinking of the user. I I like that they've gone to that effort. Now, what sort of powers this thing got? Qualcomm Snapdragon 845 mobile platform, 4G LTE support, of course. Six gig of RAM, that's a lot. 64 gig or 128 gig of internal memory your choice you also here's the thing as well it does have expandable memory but you can choose to use the second so you got one sim card in you can choose to use the second part of the tray as either a second sim card or a micro sd card so you can make that an option you can have two sim cards one day a micro sd card another day but really cool that they've given the user that choice but i have to say the star of the show with the hcc u12 plus is the camera uh, it's a dual lens camera 12 megapixel resolution through one lens 16 through the other and it has been voted by dxomark as the best dual camera smartphone in the world. You've got to remember the top of the line that DXO Mark gave highest mark was to the P20 Pro, which is actually a three lens camera. The H2, H H uh, the UHC U twelve plus is according to DXO Mark the best dual lens camera on the market. Now, what really improves your images here is HDR Boost 2. So it punches up the bright and dark parts of your image, kind of like Photoshop on the run, and really makes your photos look great. So you're getting a lot of warm, sharp images, really crisp uh, and and well-defined. So... Big tick for the camera here. The two lenses work really well together. Also can be used for portrait shots, you know, with the background blurred. That seems to be the trend nowadays, and you can do it with the HTC. On the front, dual 8-megapixel lenses. So if you're capturing selfies, look going to look pretty smart. It can also capture 4K video. Uh, And also, they've got a thing called zoom sound. Now, we've heard of zooming in on a video. What this phone can do is zoom in on someone talking. So say that you're, there's a scene of four people and you're, there's one person in particular that's speaking. When you zoom in on that person, the mic zooms in on them as well, so you can hear them better. Remarkable technology if you're shooting videos on the HTC U12+. Plus. And Now, what you won't find on the HTC U12+, is a headphone jack. That's gone. The other thing you won't find is wireless charging. No wireless charging on this device. Same thing. It, curiously, the the Huawei P20 Pro also didn't have wireless charging. I can't understand why not, but that was the, the thing they decided to keep out. Anyway, that's the HTC U12 Plus premium product with a premium price, a thousand and ninety nine bucks. So it's up against all the top of the line devices. We're talking Galaxy S9, the iPhone, the Huawei P20 Pro, the LG G7. A lot of cool new phones out there, but HTC. They can hold their own. It is a pretty smartphone, the U12. Plus. If you want to read our complete review, check that out, techguide.com.au.
1: Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick.
0: Everyone knows I'm a Star Wars fan, and look, it's, it doesn't take a lot to get me to write about Star Wars stuff. But I'm here combining a couple of a uh, couple of things that I'm interested in, and that is one is bags and backpacks for your gear, your digital gear, and the other thing, of course, is Star Wars. Now, Crumpler. That's an Aussie company, by the way. A lot of people may not realize that Crumpler was an Aussie company founded by Stuart Crumpler, a former bike messenger who decided there has to be a better, stronger bag, and he couldn't find one, so he decided to make one. And that was the first Crumpler bag, and that now the rest is history. The The company's doing really well, sold around the world, and their bags are not only impressive but also sturdy, will last forever. And they've also got really cool names as well. They've got have a look on their website. You'll see, I think one bag's called Moderate Embarrassment. There's another one called Considerable Embarrassment. All these cheeky names, really funny. But we're talking Crumpler and we're talking Star Wars. These limited edition bags. Uh, there's a few here, as cheap as forty nine bucks. The cheapest is the Clam Chowder. Another cool name. That's a waste pack. And that's got a, available in blue or gold, and there's a print on it that features both C3PO and R2D2. That's who the bags are inspired by. That's who you'll find on them. Uh, then moving on to the, the there's a, a tablet case and a laptop case called the Crony, the mini Cronies for your ta- mini tablets. And the Crony 13 is for, you guessed it, 13 inch tablets, again available in blue and gold and with the R2 C3PO print. Now, if you want a backpack, this, this is the Sirius, is uh, the Star Wars one. Yes, I am Sirius. That's the name of it. Sirius. Star Wars backpack. 59 bucks. This is a drawstring backpack. Really strong. Made of uh, extra thick PVC. The base is a coated nylon tarpaulin base as well. So it's pretty sturdy. Drawstring access to the main compartment it 's only fifty nine bucks that 's pretty cheap, moving right along though we 've got the, uh, the the top of the line babies here the algorithm c three p o which is a roll top backpack so it 's got this has got accents of black and gold. And so it does sort of resemble, uses the same sort of colour palette as C-3PO. Inside, you actually, when you unzip it, it does actually say C-3PO. And inside the lining is also that that R2-D2 C-3PO print, uh, uh, the gold print. But if you're an R2D2 fan, you want to get the Chronicler. This is a shoulder bag inspired by R2 D two. Fits in a thirteen inch laptop, uh, plenty of storage space inside, and lots of little accents and highlights. It's got like a it's got like little silver buckles and blue accents, silver accents. So it does look a little bit like R2D2 and the inside the lining again, blue print of C three PO and R2D2. Crumpler bags, they are inspired by Star Star Wars, and in particular R2-D2 and C-3PO, and the Force is very strong with them. If you want to check that story out, you know where to head to, techguide.com.au. Now, the NBN's been in the news lately, and not all of it has been good, but in this case, there is some good news uh, about the NBN, and this is their monthly report card that they release. They uh, they they normally give a, give a little summary of how how many homes are, are ready to connect. At the moment, there are three point nine million connected homes, uh, which is up from two point three million a year ago. So they're they're moving right along. They still reckon they're on track for a twenty twenty completion of the rollout. But the news today, though, is that more customers are opting for faster speed tiers. You know, you can choose 25, 50, 100 megabits per second. Well, according to the NBN, there's been a 70% increase in orders for 50 megabits per second and above. So those orders have tripled uh, in the last six months. So the shift towards these faster speeds, that's the result of the NBN actually offering wholesale discounts. So how it works is, the NBN offers the bandwidth. The ISPs buy that bandwidth and then on sell it to the customer. Now, in this case, NBN has, has discounted the bandwidth. The ISPs have, have purchased that at the discount and offered com- more, even more competitive prices for their customers. So the customers, the winner right there. And that's the reason why people are thinking, well, let's go for the the faster, the faster speed tier. So 70% increase just in the last six months. Now, this is happening uh, as we speak, as they think in the next few months, in the next 90 days, the NBN says it's going to connect more than 250,000 new homes. Now, an update on my current situation with the NBN, I was initially April to June this year supposed to get the NBN. Uh, That was put back to July to September uh, I'm going getting fibre to the curb here. I live in the eastern suburbs of Sydney, and I saw a truck out the front of my house just two days ago, three days ago, it might have been actually last Friday, but anyway, not not long ago, uh, saying and there was the guy, a, a, a nice nice bloke, an Irish fella. He was in he was running the fibre in the street, the fibre to the curb. He was putting it in. And the the latest estimation, if you look on, uh, when I check my address on the NBN website, it said August. So they've actually specified the month that it's going to be deployed. I'm already receiving letters from, I've had a letter from IINet. I've already had, also had another letter from TPG offering saying, we're here, you're getting the NBN in your area. Estimated connection date, August 31. I think they just took a chance the very last day of the month. And they're already spruiking their plans and all these things. Very smart on their part. I've kept all their, all their info because uh, when it comes down to it, I'll make a decision based on what's going to give me the best service and the best value. And I'll try them all a month at a time if I have to. But good news for the NBN, and if you're getting the NBN soon, or if you've already got it, we'd love to hear from you too. So feel free to get through to us, either send us a voice bite. You can do that now through the Tech Guide website. If you click on the banner on the homepage or on the side, it, it says "Got a tech question?" and there's a big record button at the bottom. Pressing that 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 little uh, panel will open up a recorder on your screen, whether you're viewing it on a mobile, on a browser. So rather than having to download the VoiceByte app, it will open up a recorder. You need to sign into VoiceByte, or create an account and you can record right there on the spot. So if you've got anything to say about the Optus dramas with the World Cup or your NBN connection, we'd love you to record a voice bite. Go to go to Tech Guide to be able to do that, and we'll play those voice bites right here on the Tech Guide podcast. So we would love to hear from all of you. But if you want to hear more about the NBN and its move to those faster speeds for customers, check that out techguide.com.au.
1: Keeping you updated and educated.
0: This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fenning.
1: Tech Guide
0: The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton. They're the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. Now, we're talking earlier about public Wi-Fi, and we know one thing, it isn't always safe. Now, without the right protection, your personal information could become private. So if you're searching for World Cup links or a live stream, we have seen examples where vulnerabilities have been exposed. These allow attackers to intercept data transmitted across a Wi-Fi network. Personal information that's transmitted over the internet or stored on your connected devices, things like passwords, credit card numbers and much more, these could all become vulnerable. All this personal information can be used towards committing identity theft or accessing your bank accounts without your knowledge. The team at Norton are dedicated to helping you keep your valuable data safe. Norton Wi-Fi Privacy encrypts the personal information you send and receive on public Wi-Fi to help keep it private wherever you want to log on. Help protect your information with Norton Wi-Fi Privacy. To find out more, visit au.norton.com.
1: Tech Guide. Now,
0: answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. Okay, the Tech Guide help desk, and we do have a voice bite. Uh, this this clever gentleman has decided to record his question, as can you. I've explained a moment ago how you can do that on the Tech Guide website, either on the homepage or if you're inside a story down on the right-hand side, you'll see my picture and the question, got a tech question, and there is the option to record, and you do it right there and then. And that's what uh, Ashley Vettig has done, and here's what he had to say. Hey, Stephen, I'm interested in buying an Arlo Pro system, Arlo Pro 2 system. I'm a bit worried that with the cameras only mounted by a magnet, that someone could just come along and pinch one.
1: Just interested in your thoughts.
0: Very good question, Ashley. And we only just a moment ago were talking about the Arlo Pro cameras. Now, yes, they are. The mounting system for an Arlo is with a magnet. So what happens is the the base is a, is basically a magnet, so you attach that to a wall, uh, and then the camera is can then just be attached to that magnet, so it just sticks to the magnet. Now, Ashley does have a, a point there that, yes, someone could walk up and just take the camera, but... When you think about it, the best places to put those cameras are often in high, hard-to-reach places. So I don't think people are going to get the trouble or maybe happen to be carrying a ladder with them to come to your house to steal your cameras. If you keep it within reach, then sure, people might be able to steal them. But how's this? When they are trying to steal them, you'll see them doing it. They'll be on camera. So I think any thief... Who's got half a brain will think, okay, I'm I'm going to try steal this camera that I'm looking right into. Uh, it's going to be a dead giveaway who they are. So there's that as well. But my advice would be put them up high so that they are can't that you can't someone can't just reach up and grab them. Make it high enough for them to be out of reach of anyone who just happens to be standing there. Make them up high, looking down at where you want them to see. And that way, that risk of someone just walking along and stealing them uh, that goes right away. But that was a good question. The other question we had was an email sent in from one of our readers who was interested in how. Uh, are you interested in how to get photos off an iPad and onto a USB? Uh, and they uh, did, couldn't couldn't work out how to do it now. There's plenty of ways you can save your photos and access them. My favourite is accessing them from the cloud. So if you want to save your photos and access them on another device, put them up in the cloud so any device with access to your cloud can get it. So if you're on your, you got photos on your iPad, you might save them to iCloud. Then you can maybe log in on a computer or or another phone or whatever, and access all of those files. But the question that that she asked was, how do I digitise the photos? How do I get them from, say, a the iPad to a USB or a hard drive? Now the answer to that question is uh, there are USBs that are that have a a lightning bolt. Port on them, a connection on them, so that you can just connect one end to the to the iPad, drag across all the photos you want to save to the actual USB. So there's various capacities. Then when you remove it from the iPad, the other end is a regular USB connection, so that you can send it to a computer, uh, onto a hard drive that way. Uh, So that's one way to do it. There's two companies that make them: Sandisk and Lexar make these uh, iPhone and iPad compatible USB drive. So they just stick literally into the the port on the iPad or iPhone and allow you to drag your photos onto the USB as well as other files. You might put videos or movies or whatever on them uh, and then you can access them either on your device or if you're dragging them off the iPhone or iPad, access them on your computer or another device. So easy way to get around that issue for you and I've written about, not only have I written about the Arlo Pro cameras but also those Apple friendly USB ports as well. You can read about them at tech guide and that is our show for another week we're at the end can you believe it you can read about everything that we've talked about at techguide.com.au and if you want to get in touch you know how to do it now go to techguide.com.au search for those blue banners you'll see a record button there hit that and create an account with VoiceBite. You can do it easily with a click-through using your Facebook credentials and record your question. Your beautiful voice will be on the Tech Guide podcast right beside mine. So if you've got a question, you've got a complaint, you want to do a little mini-review of a product you love or hate, use VoiceBite. And if you want to email me, I'm not going to ignore you either. Preference will be given to voice bites though, to play on the show, but the email address is info at techguide.com.au. we want to give a special thanks, too, to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also another shout-out to Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.